Rocco Blastorius sitting in for Gio Benedetti because, uh, I don't know, did he, like, forget his keys or something? Did he have to go home? He forgot might, like, the script. Something. I don't know, dude. That guy no, is, like, forgot the script. he's maybe the most forgetful dude that I know, and I'm a pretty forgetful dude. Yeah, so you, you might, are. Yeah, yeah. Well, you Last time you forgot your bass. I'm trying to. You were supposed to play the bass. Uh, Stella, I'm trying to introduce you. If you can just give me a minute here to introduce you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that voice that you hear interrupting me so beautifully <laughs> happens to be uh, the lovely Miss Stella Jean. Stella, you got something to say for the Benedettiville listeners out mm. there? Well, that Rocco is a very forgetful person. Yeah, this is very true. <laughs> and also, guesting in, hanging at the studio with us is Maya. Wait for it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Maya, how's it going? Good. Yeah? Right on. What's going down for you guys this week? What's happening? Extra long weekend? How's that feel? Good. Yeah? Good. All right. Got big plans for tomorrow. Big parties going down. You guys, what? <laughs> you know, like... No. Okay, well, you don't uh, have to. I mean, maybe a sleepover? No pressure. Is sleepover would be rad. Let's do a sleepover. Uh, I'll bring the popcorn and the cookie dough. Sounds okay. awesome. Okay. Um, hey, uh, gals, um, I'd love to chit-chat with you all day, but I have some serious questions for you. I can't ask them yet, though. Do you want to know why? Why? It's because it's about time to hear a word from our sponsors. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It. All right. Maybe so, after that? Yeah, I'd love to hang out with you. Yeah, well, we can, like, hang out. Yeah. You guys, you should see what this uh, radio studio looks like today. We brought, like, 15 bags of potato chips. Awesome. We, dip, we brought some popsicles. Uh, Stella, did you bring all the candy? You were supposed to bring Tootsie Rolls and Starburst as Skittles. She did. Yeah. Awesome. And I my, brought a bag full. And, Maya, you were on beverage and dessert, so I'm expecting some baked goods. I and brought a Pavlova, some oh. and some... Yes. Okay. Alright, so we're going to be partying down here at the studio while you guys listen to some boring messages from some boring sponsors. <laughs> See you later. I'm so tired. I don't want to Me either. These blankets are so warm and cozy. And look out the window. It's going to be a beautiful day. We could be playing outside right now. We could build a playhouse and play time. We could ride bikes or roller skates. Sorry, Bob, I'm starting to go to school. We're so sorry. I wish I had a robot doing that. I love this like me. I could go to school tomorrow. I'm also doing my chores and all my homework. What's that, kids? Did you say you wish you had a robot twin that looks just like you and could go to school for you and do your chores and homework? Wait, we have the name of those things. Mom, Dad, we have the name of 
remember, if you wish you had a robot twin that looked just like you and could go to school for you and do your chores and homework, pick up a banana and call Robo Twin Incorporated. We do not accept calls from grown-ups. back pretty soon. Oh, man, the party here in the studio is going off. Well, uh, okay, the pony rides just showed up outside. I'm going to have to hold them off. I don't think there's room in the studio yet until the uh, circus acrobats clear out of here. So, um, but you know what? We have another little bit to get to, but before we get there, uh, hey, Stella, you went back to school recently, yeah. did you not? How'd that go for you? Well... It's kind of hard waking up. Oh, uh, I'm with you on that 100%. Maya, how, how are your mornings? Are you a waker-upper in the morning? Not at all. Yeah. Um, the first day, I totally forgot the next day of school, and so Ooh. I... But the thing is, is if I don't have school the next day, I wake up... I'll wake up early. And so I woke up really early thinking there wasn't school, and then my mom comes storming down and is like, you have school today, get dressed, because I was in bed reading. Right. What? So, so, so when you don't have school, you wake up. When you have school, you sleep in. Yeah. Yeah. That's that crazy. is so mean to your mom and dad. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. What about well, you? it's just the way kids work. Like, Stella, when you don't have school, you really can't miss anything. Stella, you, like, do the exact same thing, don't you? Yeah. Because what is with you guys? Well, when you wake up in the morning and there's no school, you can't miss a second of the day. You have to wake up really early because, like, it's, wow. like, free from school and you can't miss anything you have to do because you have to get it all crammed in. That is, like, a but really then, good point. But for school, you're just like, uh You kind of want to miss everything. Yeah, you want to miss everything. Everything in school, <laughs> and then as soon as school is over, you want to just wake up and do everything. Right, then you spring into action. Yeah. Well, I understand the reluctance to wake up in the morning, but is there any, like, cool parts about being back at school? Well, any good parts? Any highlights? No? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We get to see our friends more. That's yeah. Nice. That's pretty but cool. But other than that, it's... It's really well, only learning. Yeah, but learning, that's huh? except for recess. Oh, like, for recess, children. it's like you're going to a park. But it's like you have new teachers who are horrible. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, hey, the teachers might be listening, so let's be kind to teachers. <laughs> teachers are working <laughs> so hard. Teachers are working so hard. We love you teachers out there. Champions of imagination and creativity. Unless they're in trench ball. Except for the trench yeah. ball. That's a good point, Sal. <laughs> Very good point. We do not love the trench ball. A uh, big shout out to our big buddy, Roll Doll, there. That's pretty sweet. Hey, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, my, uh, my buddy Blue and I, the other day, we were hanging out and uh, we just had the tape recorder rolling. And uh, I think I'd like to uh, play you guys what transpired here. It starts with one of the sick gems from our old band. You guys should, oh, you should yes. really check this out. Okay, hold on. We'll I would it. love to check okay. Oh, hey. yeah. Hey, Rocco. Oh, what's up, Rocco, man? Hey, uh, you, yeah. you digging deep into the archives oh, this week, God. bro. I remember this track. Yeah, dude, we recorded this record, Bacon Fat, together, man. Yeah, dude, we were in that guy's basement. Yeah. We just had that one day to record. That's we right. laid down the funkiest little grooves we could think of. Yeah, dude, you remember this track was called The Lonely Sausage. Oh, yeah, I can't believe we let you call this song that, dude. That's a... That's crazy. Still crazy to me. 
Oh, dude, we like toured off of this single and that record, man. That's right. Yeah. We did. We did. We got in our little puppet van and we went on a little puppet tour, man, with this album. I remember. Dude, yeah, that's right. It was you and me and Brucey on the dude, drums. Bruce. How's old Brucey doing? Bruce doing good still? Oh, you know it, bro. Oh, that's so good to hear, man. Yeah, he is a real character. Old Brucey, man. You remember that time? Oh, man, we, we were playing the show down at, uh, it was called Dugan's oh, Club. Yeah, bro. Dugan's Club on Fifth Street. I'll never forget. Yeah. Wait, it was over there in uh, Puppetville. Yeah, they got mostly sock puppets in that neighborhood. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. Fifth Street, not the best neighborhood. And uh, we couldn't find the drums, bro, when we loaded out. You remember that? Oh, that's right, and uh, and we couldn't find uh, we couldn't find the drum set, man. We looked everywhere for. Yeah. We asked everybody. We said, "Hey, like, you find you know where the drum set is?" Like, what and they were like, "No, we haven't seen any right. drum sets or anything." I think I couldn't believe it. We called the uh, puppet police, and they came down. We had to fill out a report, and uh, yeah, I think maybe that's where my curiosity for investigations began, man, because we was looking everywhere for that drum set. Right up, bro. I still yeah. can't believe all the things we did. We, like, turned over the tables in the restaurant, and we, like, looked in people's pockets, which was silly because the drum set ain't going to fit in somebody's pocket. Uh, we looked all around the neighborhood. We we even put up signs before our gig. We said, uh, missing drum set. Please help us find a drum set. Yeah. Well, nobody would find the drum set, bro. Nobody found anything, but Dugan was getting so mad. Well, that's right. I mean, showtime was coming up, the clock was ticking, and Bruce didn't have no drums, and I had my keyboard all ready to go. You had... Well, dude, the bass was ripped, roaring, ready to rock, bro. Oh, I know, man. Hey, and when you're sound checking, it takes like an hour and a half, and it's just you playing oh, bass yeah? riffs oh, for yeah? like days and days. It's oh, just yeah? you playing the bass as loud as you can all yeah. by yourself. And, you still do that, man? Absolutely, bro. That's like the way to check. You gotta knock that off. That is not professional. That is just uh that is just a little bit self indulgent on whoa, the bass side of things, don't you think? Well blah, dude. I mean, I don't play no solos during the set, dude, so I gotta get it oh, out well, like you, when I can, right, you know man, what I'm saying? I, hey, I'm not trying to get in an oh. argument with you, Rocco. I think the real thing of the story is you were checked, you had all your bass stuff, I was checked, I had all my keyboard stuff. Right, and there was no drums and Dugan was like gonna eat us or something. Dugan is the manager right. of Dugan's club, and if you ever wanna see a scary character, look up Dugan the puppet man. He is a real freaky guy. He's about five times as tall as most other puppets, and he's got big old hairy arms and big old hairy legs, and he just grumps around everywhere, like yelling at people and throwing stuff most of the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember why we ever played there. Do you? Oh, yeah, dude, no one else would hire us. Only Dugan. Yeah, I guess that's a reason. Oh. Well, all right. Well, there we were, and uh, Dugan was uh, getting pretty upset. You know, like we said, we don't have a drum set, and he was getting real ornery. But he, he doesn't talk very well. He just kind of grunts and growls, so you have to kind of oh. interpret. <laughs> well, from him throwing stuff at us and growling really loud, we could interpret oh, yeah. that he wanted us to play pretty or clear. else. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh, yeah, dude. So, uh, we had to think fast. We had to improvise. And, um, you know, Bruce is a man of very few words. Is he still like that, Rocco? Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't think he said, like, ten words since, like, that gig, you know? Yeah. 
Well, he didn't say nothing. He just went out into the alleyway back behind Dooley's club. And uh, we just heard him rustling around in all the trash bins. You remember that? Yeah, I did. And, like, just jumping in dumpsters and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah he just rustling around in trash bins. And, uh, yeah, he comes out a little bit later. He's got, um, he's got a big bucket. Right. And he found some old uh, pie plates. Yeah. And he had a, a few other things here and there, some knickknacks and some dirty stuff. And he had a big old, he brought in one of the big old trash cans, one of those yeah. metal trash cans. That's right. And uh, he just started putting all that stuff up on the stage. And we were saying, Bruce, what are you doing? Yeah, dude, like, you just, yeah. like, you can't fill the stage with, like, alley trash, bro. That's not cool. We need exactly. to do it. Oh, man, like... Bruce, uh, uh, you can't pick a bunch of trash cans up on a stage. We got to play a show. We got to find that drum set. What's going on, man? And uh, he just kept doing his thing, you know, quiet and steady like like Bruce is. And uh, there it was. It was 9 o'clock, time to get going. And there were people in the club, and everybody's looking up on the stage at this keyboard, at this electric bass setup. Super and then setup. all these, like, junky trash cans and yeah. buckets and uh, pie plates right. and tin cans and all sorts of stuff up there. What's that about? And they're like, what in the world is going on? And we're backstage freaking out because we got Dugan looking at us like he's going to eat us for dinner, which, you know, maybe he would have. I don't know. Oh, yeah, dude, he totally would have. Like, uh, Brucey saved our life that night, dude. Like, no doubt in my mind at all. Yeah, well, there it is, 9 o'clock. As we musicians say, time for the downbeat. And so we're getting ready to play. And uh, we go, Bruce. And he just goes and he sits behind this big mountain of trash and he picks up his drumsticks. Because he did bring his drumsticks somehow. Maybe, I don't know, probably hit him in his pocket or something. So the guy's got like more pockets than anybody. Yeah, and he just gets back there cool as a little Bruce cucumber. And uh, he counts in the first number, which I believe was this song, if I'm right. Am I remembering that rat Rocco? Absolutely, dude. Lonely Sausage, first tune. First night of tour. Yeah, well, he counts it in. He go like one, two, three, four, you know, and we come in, and I'll be gosh down, but that was the coolest sounding little trashy drum kit I ever did hear, man. Dude, it was like the super awesome, deep, funky vibes, right? Yeah, oh, it sounded music. so groovy, and every time he like hit that trash can, it sounded all thumpy and clangy, but it had groove to it, man. It had all so those garbagey funk so like true, right in there, man. in the oh, yeah. sound of the drums, man. Oh, yeah. I don't know that we ever sounded so good. You did best funkiest night of my life, for sure. Well, right, and that was the first night of the tour, so we just played, and we played. We played our little hearts out on that stage, and everybody was boogieing, you know, the way the puppets do. And some puppets have legs, some don't, so when the puppets are all dancing. It's a real hoot to, to watch that go down, you know. You just gotta use your imagination to see how that would go. Yeah, I mean, like, especially when you're in, like, total, like, sock puppet neighborhood. Like, dancing sock puppets are pretty funny, dude. Yeah. Well, we played, uh, we played until just about midnight, and then, uh, it was time for everybody to go, time for Dukins to close up, so we packed up our little puppet van, and we loaded everything out, and, well, you know it, we took all them trash cans and all them buckets and whatnot with us because that was going to be our drum set. That was Bruce's drum set for the whole tour, man. Oh, dude, it yeah. was. It got so gnarly, though, bro. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did. We He had yeah. to wash it out at yeah, some point. Good. It was getting a little rap, you know, driving around in the van with a bunch of, like, 
trash stuff in there. Oh, yeah, dude, that was an important move that we had to make. Yeah, yeah but it sounded so good. It did. And, you know, the whole time we were like, I can't believe drum set got stolen first day. Yeah, but right. then when we finally got back and we were finally home, we were unloading everything. What did we find right back there in the rehearsal spot just where we had left it? Yeah, Bruce's drums. Bruce's that's drums. right. Yep. We had just never packed it up in the first place. We had forgot it. I, I can't, can't believe it. it, dude. I can't believe we forgot the drums. First tour, man. Yeah, well, I think about man. that whole thing every time I hear this little jam, man. It's such a good tune. Oh, yeah, dude. Me too. But, yeah. Oh, dude, Bruce, dude, I totally got to get on right. to the next thing, you know? I've gotta yeah, get yeah, I got to get on to the next thing, too. Yeah, yeah. hey. We should do this more often, Rocco. That's pretty. That was pretty good times. Yeah, dude. Let's just go through the archives and talk about the All good right. old days. Well, I'll see you, buddy. Yeah, I'll yeah, see you, dude. On to the next thing is right. On to the next thing, blow. Ciao, bro. fun to like hang with my boy Blue. I, I mean this is kind of weird but like Gio's still not here right yeah I mean shouldn't he be yeah, here by I now don't, it doesn't take that long to get this girl maybe know, he had to like change clothes hey Maya do you um, have a driver's license no Stella do you no. Yeah, I'm not so good at driving. I have to like use my teeth and then <laughs> there's nothing to, to drive, do there's nothing for the pedals you know well, well we'll deal with that when we get to it I guess I bet Gio will get back man I hope so He's like, he's like. Maybe he's just traffic. Yeah, I think he's just like kind of lazy, you know. Yeah, they're like. I think I mean, he don't tell like him I said that. His sunglasses. All right. Well, I hope he, he comes back. He probably jumped into the blackberry bush to hide from a googly gook. Yeah, probably. He's always doing that. This yeah. Is a pretty, you know. And then like he had stains and had to change clothes and like yeah, uh, had to go to the bathroom. He's always going to the bathroom. That's for sure. And well, then had to grab his bandana and then comb his hair. He never yeah. combs his hair. He should, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It gets a little so, crazy. Why does he have to do it when he's going to be late for the radio? No, I don't know. Well, I you know what we should do? Let's, uh, we're going to um, stall, hope that Gio gets back. And in the meantime... Um, really hope. Yeah, we'll, we'll play some other stuff here. And, uh, man, because uh, we're supposed to do the Chevrolet Glitterwing thing, right? It's on the schedule here. It's like Breed's story. You know what I mean? I... I don't think anyone wants to hear me read. <laughs> I'm also not very good at reading. Why don't <laughs> we just, just between you and me? Can right. we play it? Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. First I think, of all, it's not between you and Stella. It's between the entire Fairland County or whoever right. is listening. Yeah, I'm saying that into the microphone. Good yeah. call, Maya. Good call. All right, well, let's uh, check out some uh, pond staring. How about that? Hey, you two. Hi. Nice pond you guys are staring at. I bet you two are thinking about a way you could do some serious pond staring. Am I right? Well, I know the secret. The secret to being able to get out of work and chores. The secret to going on trips. All just to stare at ponds. You? Yeah. Wait, I mean, really? Absolutely. 
absolutely. The secret is don't call it pond slime. Go on. Call it fishing. Fishing? Yep, fishing. If you need to go fishing, people will let you go. Even if you have work or chores. Even if you leave for a week, you just call it a fishing trip. Well, that's the best part. You can just stare at cards. It doesn't matter what you do, it just matters what you call it. Stories here, and I'm here with two lovely young ladies. Uh, uh, I, I always forget your name. I'm so sorry. What is your and name? And Leah. Oh, sorry. Wait, one at a time. Excuse me. Leah. And you. Emmy. Oh, right, Emmy. You live here, huh? <laughs> I, I always forget your name. Sorry. Oh, thanks for the hug. Okay, Leah, how's it going? Good. Yeah, I heard that you just like started school. What grade are you in? Um, kindergarten. Kindergarten? Yeah. Kind of funny name for a class. Well, what's what's going on? Hey, what about you, Em? Did you start school? Um, I am in... I am in... What? I'm trying to remember because I forgot. Uh, you are in a house. No. You are in Petaluma. No. You are in... Oh, I'm in Live Oak School. Oh, gotcha. That's the name of your school. Very good that you remember. And um, so what's it like being back in school after summer break? Is good. That, is, is it good? Yeah. You like being back in school? Yeah. Waking up early in the morning feels good? Yeah. Wait. Are you serious? Yeah. You complain about it every morning. Because I miss my mom. Oh, gotcha. That makes sense. What about you, Leah? How is it waking up in the morning for you? Amazing. You like waking up in the morning? Yeah. Early in the morning. What's your favorite part about kindergarten, Emmy? Um, I get to play with my friend Leah. Oh, that's awesome. Leah, what's your favorite part about kindergarten? Recess. Yeah, playing games, huh? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite game to play? What are some games that you guys like to play um, at recess? Tie the snake game. The snake yeah. game? Whoa! That's so scary! And tie. What's the snake game all about? Ghosts and Boo. Ghosts and Boo. snakes? What kind of freaky Ghost games do you guys Boo. play? Ghosts and Boo is oh. our favorite game to play ourselves. Oh, and then Tide. Do you guys have any advice for kiddos that are going back to school? Anything that other kiddos going back to school should know about or something? Well, it's kindergarten and live oak is so funny. It's yeah. so fun. It's yeah. really fun and amazing, yeah. huh? But, like, what what if there was a kid who said, I don't want to go to school? What would you say to that kid? Um, school is fun. Okay. Anything else? I would say, 
Come on, let's go. School's amazing. It's super fun. You get to run around in recess. You get to play anything. Super cool. That's great advice. What if someone was like pretty scared because they had to uh, leave their family and they weren't used to like being away from mom and dad? Oh, that's very sweet of you. Now, if you could add something to your school to make it even better and cooler, what would you add to your school? Um, what I would give my school yeah. is um, a treasure chest with lots of treasures. Oh, that's a great and idea. I would give my school yeah. is lots and lots of candy. Candy, candy, and treasure would be a great addition to the school. And then I would also give school. you some candy. Oh, thanks! It would be enough yeah. to share. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. I could buy you a lot of candy. Um, anything else you guys want to say about your first it's weeks back at school yeah. here for the kiddos yeah. out there on the um, radio? So school is really fun. Cool. But the funnest thing yeah. is we make new friends. That's yeah. a beautiful thing, huh? Yeah, I love making new friends, too. My you guys are my new friends, my really. Yeah. Also, cool. my favorite part of school was recess. Yep. Well, that, you heard it here, Better Daddyville listeners. School is awesome. You get to make new friends, and recess is the best. All right. Cool. Back to you guys in the studio. Mm. Bye. Thanks for the hugs, Emily. You guys are great. New friends are awesome. Of course, yeah. uh, you guys are you guys are real soft. Oh, thanks, guys. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, so I I just did that interview earlier today with uh, uh, Emmy and Leah. They are pretty cool. They were they seem pretty good. Good, like they were down with school. Um, man, I'm looking at the clock and uh, Gio's still not back. I don't know what to do about that guy. You know, like maybe he could still be fussing with the hair or whatever. But uh, you know. Something that dawned on me, still, so, you know, maybe the dude actually doesn't even have any hair. He might, like, not have any hair whatsoever. Oh, oh no, oh, Gio, you, hey, bud. I think he does have hair. Yeah, I do, too, okay, I really gotta go by. Hey, guys, <laughs> what are you talking about in here? Uh, uh how pretty your hair. You have any hair. Oh, man. Rocco. Okay. are kind of bad, I guess. What am I going to do with Rocco? I thought, Rocco, I thought we were buddies, man. Where, where did he go? He's, you know, well, the thing about puppies is they hide so easily. Yeah. All right, well, hey, I'm so sorry I was late, you guys. I got into all kinds of shenanigans out there, but I don't want to bore you. I'm not going to bore you with that. I'm going to I'm going uh, to tell stories. And Stella, if you could uh, refrain from chewing and eating into the microphone, that would be much appreciated by everybody listening, I'm sure. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, let's see if we can get some story music going. Is there some story music out there? Let's see. Hello? Hello. Story music? Hello. Where are you? Let's luxuriate in that story music just for a moment. Now, when we left off with Chevrolet Glittering, we had to leave off a little bit, um, not exactly where I wanted to leave off, but we ran out of time. So I'm going to back up a little bit to bring everybody up to speed, and we are going to remind you all of what's been happening. So Chevrolet Glitterwing, half fairy, runs a magical investigation squad 
kind of by herself, really, in the town of Grimsford. And the young boy, Magnus, Magnus Brinley, who lives up in the big Brinley estate, came to her with a problem. The problem happened to be a closet closet. But the bigger problem was that his, the cook and the nanny at his house ended up being crazy dark magic people. Uh, Valix and Eowick, legendary outlaws from the Fairylands, and they are up to absolutely no good, ladies and gentlemen. Last episode, Chevrolet and Magnus got thrown into a dungeon, guarded over by Mug, the driver, who's a very huge and hulking type of character. And uh, they had just managed to escape from the dungeon, and they were headed back up to the hill, and they were going to try and figure out a clever way to spoil Valix and Eowick's evil plan for world domination when we ran out of time. So let's continue there. Ahem. Magnus and Chevrolet, leaving the magically created illusions of themselves in the dungeon to fool the sleeping mug, crept back up the dungeon stairs. The evening air felt fresh and cool on their faces. The sun was setting. They peered about. No sign of Eowick and Valix. And the big black car was gone. They must have left to gather a few more things, Chevrolet said. Now's our chance. We have to ruin their spell without them knowing it. How will we do that? asked Magnus. I have a few ideas. It will be dangerous, but I think it's the only way to stop them without their realizing it, Chevrolet replied. I have to make some slight, ever so slight alterations to their circle of power. Maybe I could sneak a few ingredients into the circle where they won't notice, and then, at just the right time, we have to break the circle. It will take some time for me to do it all. Sneaker, you and Magnus keep watch. We have to be well hidden when they get back. They set to work. Sneaker and Magnus took turns peering down the road and roaming through the bushes, keeping their eyes open for any movement or car or disturbance of any kind. While they patrolled the hilltop, Chevrolet was busy. The top of the hill was all dirt, cleared by Magnus's family bulldozers. Valix and Eowick had set up a large crucible in the center of the circle of power that looked like it was created by, with a mixture of terrible, slimy, gooey ingredients. Chevrolet tried not to think of what they had been. Chevrolet studied the circles and the symbols that were drawn. She thought back to all of her schooling, to the bits of reading she had done about black magic, to all of her young experience as a spellcaster. She dug holes in the loose dirt at very precise locations inside the circle, set small spells over various ingredients and objects, and buried them, taking care to cover them so that the dirt looked untouched on the surface. She scratched some symbols onto the underside of the crucible and down the legs of the tripod with her fairyland quill, always in places nearly impossible to see the viscous, slimy goop of the liquid around the circle, she made the smallest, most imperceptible of adjustments. Breaking a line here, changing a symbol there, always very subtle, always very delicate. Finally, she brushed all of her footprints and activity out of the dirt on the mountaintop and hid herself deep in the bushes, keeping her eye on the hilltop through a low break in the roots of the shrubs that she had behind. Darkness had almost completely fallen over Grimsford. The moon was just beginning to glow silver on the horizon when, in a squeal of tires and a shower of gravel, Valix and Eowick skidded the large black car back to the hilltop. Seconds later, Magnus and Sneaker snuggled in on either side of Chevrolet, breathing heavily. Here goes, Magnus, 
Chevrolet whispered. Let's hope I got it right. Oh, I am hoping, Magnus whispered back, a shiver running down his body. I am really, 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 really hoping. Once out of the car, Valix headed directly for the dungeon, while Eowith, her black robes fluttering in the evening wind, marched straight for the hilltop. Valix came back up the steps a moment later, calling, They're all asleep, still locked up. That fool mug is snoring for all he's worth. Oh, grand, cackled Eowith. Then there will be no one to interfere with us tonight. That fool council will spend their time arguing, and by the time they arrive, our hordes of goblins and our fully mustered army of swamp minions will be ready to crush this puny, magicless land. Is everything ready? Have you checked the circle, the crucible, the ingredients? Valix asked as he, too, stepped into the circle at the peak of the hilltop. Naturally, I have. Eowith barked at him. All is as I left it. I am ready, are you? There was more than a hint of challenge in her voice as she looked at Valix across the bronze circle of their crucible. I am ready, my queen, Valix answered coldly. Let it begin with the rising of the moon. The two tall, bony, robed figures raised their hands above the crucible, craned their necks up to the sky, and began to chant. Just like on the mountaintop, their chants were horrible to listen to. Sneaker whimpered softly, his paws over his head. Magnus clapped his hands to his ears. Chevrolet, on the other hand, was following the flow and cadence of their chant most carefully. At different moments, she would sing a snatch of song and spell herself and gesture towards the circle. Valak and Eowick poured their energy and attention into their crucible and towards the sky. The crucible was ablaze with black and purple flames. The sky, which was only scattered clouds at nightfall, was now a roiling, curling, black storm of purple and blue clouds. Lightning flashed through their mean rolls and curves, and thunder rumbled along with the loud, ugly chanting. But not once did Valix or Eowick look down to where there were bright silver and gold and turquoise flashes from just under the dirt around their feet in the circle. Nor once did they see a brief flick of a spark from different, barely altered edges of their circle of power. They remained intent on their spell and on the ribbon of purple energy that was reaching ever skyward and on the churning clouds and the tendril that was coiling its way towards them from the dark heavens. The chant, the screaming and wailing chant, grew and grew in strength and volume. Valix and Eowick were moving and flailing about their purple-black flames, hurling in the last of their ingredients, raising to a fever pitch the energy of their spell. Over the growing roar of wind and thunder and the spell's chanting, Chevrolet yelled in Magnus's ear, I have to break the spell's circle of power at just the right moment. I'll have to run out of these bushes to do it. What? Magnus yelled back in alarm. No way! I have to. It's the last part of breaking the dark power of the spell. I have to do it just as they complete their casting, just as the power is at its peak, she called back. She lifted herself onto her hands and knees, grabbing a nearby stick about as long as her arm. If I can throw this across the edge of the circle, it'll break the barrier of their spell's energy, and with that and the other things I did, we should be able to direct the power out of their spell and stop them from summoning their swamp army. She got to her feet and crept to the edge of the forest. Magnus, seeing the wild flames, the storm, and the black energies pulsing on the hilltop before him, followed her, pulling at her overalls. No way, Chevrolet! It's too crazy out there! Out there! Now or never! Chevrolet yelled, and she began to run up the hill. Magnus, yelling in protest, followed her. The pair of robed, twisted, screaming figures on the hilltop were frozen in an unearthly wail. 
their hands and faces towards the storming sky, their fingers outstretched. Their spell was cast. The sky let out a crushing peal of thunder. Magnus watched as the force of the thunder knocked Chevrolet from her feet, the stick skidding out of her arm's reach. The stick, Magnus! Grab the stick and throw it! Chevrolet screamed at him from the dirt. Now! A huge, impossibly bright force of bright power flashed from the roiling clouds and was coiling its way towards the two dark wizards in their circle, their fingers and arms straining to reach it as it descended. Magnus ran forward, grabbed up the small stick, dashed towards the circle, and hurled it into the blaze of crackling purple and black energy at the center of the hilltop. The lightning coiled downward. The stick sailed through the air. An explosion rocked the night of Grimsford. A wave of force knocked Magnus through the air, landing him on his bottom yards away. From the ground, the two children looked up. The energies in the circle were no longer contained around Valix and Eowith. The lightning bolt was no longer descending towards the pair of shocked magicians. The stick had crossed the circle. The barrier was broken. All of the magical powers that had been brewing and crackling inside of the circle shot into the sky, flowing into the bright, bolted silver-purple energy that crackled and snaked out of the clouds. It reared back, wavered back and forth like a snake, and then... With a blast like a cannon and a flash like the sun, it shot down, bursting all of its magical powers and might onto the stick that Magnus had thrown, lying on the dirt, half inside, half outside of the broken circle. The force of the blast knocked Valix and Eowith to their knees and sent the stick hurtling through the air to land right beside Magnus. The stick hummed and glowed and smoked gently. Magnus picked it up. Chevrolet picked herself up, dusted off her overalls, and came over to him. Great job, Magnus! That was perfect! What? What happened? Magnus asked, still holding the stick. He could feel a tingling prickle of energy from the glowing wood. It worked, Chevrolet said. The spell, I changed it. Instead of turning this hilltop into a gateway for an army, all their magical energy got bottled up and stored up and cleaned up a little bit, and now it's sitting in that wand right there. Ah! Yipped Magnus, and he dropped the stick like a hot potato. Chevrolet scooped it up and hefted it. Wow, she breathed. Let's see what this thing can do, she said, and she began to advance towards the, hill, the hilltop. Valix and Eowick were still on the ground, sitting, their robes tattered and limp around them. They had dirt and smudges of soot on their faces, and their hair was blown back from the blast of energy that had struck the wand. They were clearly exhausted and spent, but were still arguing loudly, pausing to catch their breath in between hurling blame at one another. You said you checked everything. Valix was whining. What a complete disaster. Everything ruined. You said they were locked up in the dungeon. Eowick whined back. I can't count on you for anything. Chevrolet, having come to the hilltop circle, pointed the wand at the pair and sang a quick, sharp song. A purple burst of energy leapt from the wand and coiled like a bright snake around each of them, holding them back to back, the coils pinning their arms and legs. Mug! Eowick shouted, Mug, you pathetic excuse for a troll! Stop these terrible children! Get them! There was a growl and a rumble from under the stone wall, and soon the large figure of Mug loomed out of the underground opening. He looked very sleepy and very angry. His chauffeur's hat had fallen off, and now that Eowick had called him a troll, they could see the signs quite clearly. The huge, 
long arms, the short, stubby legs, the shaggy hair, the pointed ears, and, as Mug roared at the children, they could see his large, pointed teeth. Chevrolet pointed the wand at the oncoming troll and sang out a spell. A bolt of purple energy flung itself from the wand at the creature, but splashed off of his bulk like the water from a water balloon. Mug barked out a laugh. Valix hooted from the hilltop. Ha <laughs> ha! Mug's no ordinary troll, you little meddling creature. He's an elder swamp troll from the ancient bogs of Muckroyal. No magic can harm or hinder him. And then a deep voice roared out, No magic can, but the hammer of Amethyst Stoneskin, Queen of the Stone Giants, and General of the Fairy Council surely can. There was a flash of bright silver and blue light, and all around the circle, rectangular gateways brightly sprang into existence. Out stepped all manner of creatures, fairies, centaurs, elves, dwarves, creatures that Magnus had no names for, and between Magnus and Chevrolet and the very surprised troll Mug, loomed a mountain of a giant, massive hammer in her hand, and with one mighty sweep, the hammer swung in an arc, smashing Mug off of the ground and sending him hurtling into a bulldozer parked some 100 yards away. The troll moaned groggily, but did not get up. The bulldozer was a mess of tangled metal. Amethyst Stoneskin walked over, hoisted Mug onto her giant shoulder as though he was but a sack of flour, while many of the newly arrived creatures rushed towards the bound of Valix and Eelwick. One of the fairies from one of the gateways came rushing up to Chevrolet and Magnus. It was Patty. She was not wearing her normal clothes from the bookstore, but was in a very impressive and armored uniform. A sword hung from her belt. Oh, I just knew I'd find you here in the middle of everything, she said, hugging Chevrolet and Magnus to her. You naughty, brave, amazing children, she finally managed. I'm sorry I'm so late. You know how the Council loves to argue and be so cautious about their journeys into other realms. I know, Patty. I mean, Mistress Ambassador, Chevrolet said. Sneaker came out of the bushes and was rubbing his head happily against Magnus's jeans. Chevrolet and Magnus, in excited bursts, told Patty all that had happened since leaving the bookstore. You two may very well have saved this town. Perhaps the whole human world, Patty said, gazing around the hillside. You are a terrible listener, young Chevrolet Glitterwing, but you are also terribly clever. Well done on working their spell, but now you must let the council finish their business and be off. I'm sure the humans will come crawling around here soon after the ruckus you've caused. Magnus, Sneaker, and Chevrolet watched as the various council members all went about their different tasks, calmly, quickly, and very effectively. Some of them cleared the magical circle and implements from the hillside. Others cast spells of illusion and forgetting over the town. Others still marched to tied up Valix and Eelwick back through the glowing gateway, and soon everything was clear and back to normal. Well, except for the smashed-in bulldozer. All of the council members had left but Patty. She came over again to the investigators. Chevrolet, the council will be discussing you and your part in all of this. Please come and see us tomorrow evening in the Grand Vault. Yes, yes, Mr. Ambassador, Chevrolet said, bowing her head. In the meantime, why don't you work on explaining all of this to Magnus's parents? She pointed to the headlights making their speedy way up the hill. She smiled, waved goodbye, and disappeared through the last of the gateways. Sneaker snuck into the bushes. Chevrolet and Magnus were alone for a moment on the top of the hill. The clouds had cleared. Chevrolet and Magnus smiled at each other, squeezed hands, and waited together for the brilliant to park. Soon, a sleek black car was parked on the dirt of the hilltop. 
Magnus's parents hopped out. What on earth happened up here? And Magnus, gasped his mother, what are you doing here? Uh, not much, Mom. I was just showing my friend Chevrolet here the property you're always talking about on the phone. It's awfully late, young man, Mr. Brindley said, coming over. Mr. and Mrs. Brindley exchanged a confused glance. What on earth were we thinking buying up this property, dear? asked Mr. Brindley. You know, I can't for the life of me think of why. We can't build out here. It's zoned and protected twenty different ways. So right. It seemed awfully important to clear this hilltop, though. I'm, I'm sure of it, murmured Mrs. Brindley, walking around the dirt. Oh, yes, it did. And whatever happened to our bulldozer here, dear? Mr. Brindley asked, glancing at the troll-smashed machine. Very curious and strange, yes. The two adults looked like they were coming out of a dream as they slowly got back into the car. Magnus and Chevrolet exchanged knowing smiles and climbed into the back seat after loading their bikes into the trunk. They sat together in the back seat, the windows down, the wind blowing through their hair. The night felt cool and fresh. They had saved Grimsford, maybe the world, and certainly themselves. The case of the closet clump was solved. Hey, can we grab some pizza on the way home, Dad? Magnus called up to the front seat. Chevrolet and I are really hungry, and I don't think that the cook made anything for dinner. He winked at Chevrolet, sat back, and imagined the delicious, well-deserved pizza in his future. You're listening to Ben and Debbie KPCA FM. Next morning, 
Just drop the front page of the local paper, the Grimsford Courier, in front of Chevrolet's breakfast of cereal, with fruit and honey, of course. Uh, something about at least beer one makes me think that perhaps you were up to some of your investigations last night, Gus said with a smile as he sat at the table, his large, dark, piping hot cup of cream and espresso in his large hand. The headline and story read as follows. Strange night on the Olivetti farm. A strangely strong and unseasonable storm blew over Grimsford last night and seemed to center on the lights and sounds that witnesses said came from the hilltop on the old Olivetti farm. Developers Armand and Margaret Brinley had no comment for the courier. The construction foreman guessed that it had something to do with a smashed and possibly exploded bulldozer that he found at the scene this morning. Gus smiled at his young breakfast companion. Maybe we have just enough time before school today for my little sparkle to tell old Gus a story, huh? Chevrolet beamed through her spoonful of cereal and strawberries and honey. Absolutely, Gus. I call it the case of the closet glump that saved the world. Ah, said Gus, smiling after a long sip of his espresso. This sounds like a very good story. Chevrolet's meeting the next night with the council was as to be expected. She was congratulated on a very clever and bold use of magic and for saving Grimsford and quite possibly the world. She was also disciplined for disobeying the orders of the Fairyland Council's ambassador to Grimsford, namely Patty. And for that, she was forbidden to use magic for one week and had to check in with Patty every day during that week. She was allowed to keep the wand and... The wand was already famous. The mages of Fairyland were already calling it the Olivetti Wand, or Glitterwing Wand, or, the more skeptical among them, the Wand of Nevermore. Valix and Eolic were once again stripped of all their magical powers. They were cast into the deepest dungeon of Fairyland, the endless pits of Vrongle, for the rest of their lives. Mug was released into the ancient bogs to rejoin his people after swearing a solemn and binding oath to the council to never again take up with dark magic. The staff of Nevermore was recovered by the council and, still trapped in its mysterious black stone, was locked up in the council vaults high in the Tower of the Seven Spheres. The gateway of Magnus's room, now that the staff was gone, was deemed harmless, so long as Magnus and Sneaker and Chevrolet would look after it well. They promised to do just that. Patty is still the ambassador of Grimsford and was given a gold star in the title of Grand Fairy Ambassador for her work in getting the council to stop Valix Neolik and reclaim the staff of Nevermore. She still works in the bookstore and can be found there some days, but please do not ask her to open the tree door for you. She, of course, will say that she cannot and will pretend to know nothing whatsoever about Fairyland. The Brinleys turned the land of the Olivetti farm back over to the town of Grimsford. It is now a park. I don't think that anyone has discovered the old fairy folk fortresses, ruins, and the dungeon beneath the great rocks, but I cannot be certain. The Brinleys completely remodeled their kitchen area, and all traces of the dark magic laboratory are gone. The very useful and wonderful kitchen implements are still there, but they have not yet found a new cook, nanny, or a driver. Please inquire at the Brinley estate for those positions. Chevrolet and Magnus were both given rings of commendation from the Fairy Council for their brave work in saving Grimsford and uncovering the devious plots of Alex and Eolic. The rings marked them as honorary members of the Fairy Council. Their magical properties, the rings, that is, were dormant at the time that they were given, but the Lord and Lady of the Council said that the rings would gain in power as the users grew, had adventures, and followed the paths of good and true fairy magic. The author was able to finally stop writing as the van that he typed in finally got close to the place where he lived. You could be sure that at the end of this story, he ate delicious food and drank large cups 
of dark, creamy espresso. The end. I don't like that the end. I need more. Yeah. There should be a chapter. Look, I learned my lesson about to-be-continued stories a while ago, okay? No more to-be-continued stories if you don't have something to continue them with. I did a really good job every week, and I hope the story, the story police are listening to this. Every week I said to be continued, we continued it, right? So, no story police, I hope. Well, I think you should continue this story, so. Yeah. To be continued. So what? You're getting me in trouble with the story police. No, I'm not. I'll help you come up with this thing. Actually, yeah. so the, the the story behind Chevrolet Glitterwing was this was a story that was sent home in a chapter installment as a um, as a bedtime story for Stella and Emmy when I was out on tour, and then there was a second story written. If you remember, there was a the mystery, the library mystery. So there is another Chevrolet Glitterwing story. So, so. to be continued. Well, there is no time to read it, my good people. We're I know, but to be continued for next week. <laughs> you guys, seriously, if I get taken to story jail again and put through another terrible to be continued story with like monsters and rivers. And, oh man, that's what I thought the first time, but oh boy, was I ever wrong. Nothing bad. But you didn't get hurt. I did. In my heart. No, I didn't get hurt, you're right. They took exactly. care of me. But still was scared. We can listen back to that episode for how scary it was. People, regular listeners, you, you all remember. But I want you to read that story next week. And if you do, then I give you a prize. I'm not telling what it is. It's a surprise. But it's still a prize. Yeah. Man. There's one thing and I don't really... It might have to do with your favorite drink. Well... Yeah. I'm all ears if it comes to dark creamy. Oh, you know what that sound is? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for spending your hour, your three to four Sunday hour with Benedettiville Small Town Adventures here on KPCA-LP, Petaluma, California, 103.3 FM, streaming live, kpca.fm. We would like to make a lot of thanks this week. Thanks to Stella and Maya for coming to the seat for coming into the studio today. And thanks so much to our wonderful sponsors, our RoboTwin Incorporated, Palm Staring, The Grocery Store. Thanks to Emmy and Leah. Thanks to Blue and Rock. Man, thanks to Rocco for holding it down that whole first half of the show. That was really important. You're I, uh, thanking him after he thought you didn't have hair? Yeah. Yeah, well, we're going to deal with that later. Rocco. His eyes are bad, you know. Just because he's got that beautiful, blonde, flowy hair. Hey, you guys, if you want to get in touch with Benedettiville, we're easy to get in touch with. There's a website at benedettiville.com. You can send us an email, mail at benedettiville.com. And you can send us real mail to oh, mailbox yeah. 336. That's a mail depot here in Petaluma. We've had a lot of fun with you guys today. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. So long. Bye-bye.